Well, that's great. Good morning. Uh, great to see you all. And um, well, let me start with a question. And the question is this Who have you blessed this week? Or who have you blessed recently? Who have you been blessing recently? And the majority of you will know exactly what I mean by that question. Uh, what I mean by bless, and if you don't know what I mean by that specifically, then don't worry, I will come back to it a bit later, so all become clear, but it just gives you a bit of a heads up as to where we're going today as we continue with our focus on vision, where we, where we feel God is leading us as a church in the future, where he's taking us. And if you don't have one of these, one of these vision booklets, um, please grab one today. There's lots at the back on the tables at the welcome area as well. Please grab one of these because kind of all the key points are laid out in here. It's a really, really helpful resource for us. Um, so this is the fourth week of this series, fourth week out of five. And um, I just want to remind us a little bit of, of, of where we've been so far. So in that first week, um, I laid out the essence of the vision that we feel God has given us, just explained the essence of that vision, including some of the background to that, like the history of what God has done in the church in the past, how that shapes our view of the future, um, the, the influence, the shaping influence of the prophetic, key, key prophetic contributions uh, that have been made over the years as well. And, uh, and I would say again as well, if you weren't here on that day, on the 8th of September, to hear that talk, again, I'd really recommend you go and onto the website and listen to it or you can watch it on video it's all linked there through the website um, just because it sets a really important context for everything that we're talking about at the moment for everything we're doing for who we are as a church for where we're going um, so do have a look at it it sets a really important context but the vision that I shared the essence of the vision was that of being a diverse church of thousands that surrounds and saturates High Wycombe with the love of Jesus in the second week of the series, we then zoomed in on the first part of, that, of that, that statement, that first phrase, which says, a diverse church. And we explored what that means and why that is so very, very important. And part of that was the hospitality challenge. So if you haven't yet taken up that hospitality challenge, please do. And again, on the tables at the back there, there are some sheets which explain what the hospi- hopi- 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 hospitality challenge is all about. Um, because I don't want it to be one thing we mention one week and then we move on and it's forgotten about. Let's, let's do it because this is about life together. So pick up one of those sheets if you haven't got one. And if you haven't yet invited somebody in for that hospitality challenge, let's go for it. Let's, let's do it. In our midweek prayer and fasting meetings, we've been focusing in on well, what does it look like to surround and saturate High Wycombe with the love of Jesus? So we've been looking at different aspects of that, surrounding and saturating with the supernatural power of God and with prayer, and as we heard on, on Wednesday, about compassion. And these have been great times together, really important times. And then at the same time as laying out that vision in the first week, I also explained briefly, um, briefly because I knew we were going to be unpacking these things in the subsequent weeks, but that there are three key things that we must focus on, on doing because it's very easy to have a vision statement, and that's kind of an abstract, slightly ethereal thing that you're reaching for. But we've got to act, we've actually got to do. So three key things that we must focus on doing as well and as faithfully as we can in order to pursue that vision. And the first of those was pray. We must pray. We must. Absolutely must pray. And we've been doing that through those midweek meetings a little bit. Uh, the second of those midweek meetings was specifically focused on prayer, the great evening that we had with Pete Gregg. And there's more uh, coming up, more sort of prayer initiatives, that kind of thing coming up in the future. But we are serious about being a church 
that is devoted to prayer. Because we have to be, otherwise we'll get nowhere if we're not praying as a church, as individuals. We must be a church that is devoted to prayer. The second thing was to grow people. So growing ourselves and growing others. And this is what Rich was addressing last week in a a really helpful way. You know, inspiring us to think, are, are we growing? Inspiring us into that, but also with some really practical next steps as to how you can actually go about that. Again, have you acted on that? Have you taken that step in? to something that is going to help you grow. And again, I'd say chapter one would be a great starting point for that. But the point is this, if we're to surround and saturate our town with the love of Jesus, well, we need to be surrounded and saturated with the love of Jesus for ourselves. We need to be uh, growing as disciples of Jesus. And the clear challenge was, are you? Are you growing? And what are you doing about it? And then this week, and I'm going to come back to a bit of that stuff later but this week today we're focusing in on the third of those things which is reaching out that we must be a church and individuals that reach out intentionally reaching out intentionally being outward focused so I'm going to read from Ezekiel 47 so if you have a bible you can find Ezekiel 47 um, and it's going to be verses 1 to 12 Ezekiel is one of those slightly strange books it's quite difficult to understand but I love this this section Ezekiel's having this vision Um, And this particular section is from one of those visions. So it says, The man brought me back to the entrance of the temple, and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me out through the north gate and led me around the outside to the outer gate facing east, and the water was trickling from the south side. As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits and then led me through water that was ankle deep. He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee deep. He measured off another thousand and led me through water that was up to the waist. He measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in, a river that no one could cross. And he asked me, son of man, do you see this? And then he led me back to the bank of the river. When I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. And he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah where it enters the Dead Sea. When it empties into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because this river flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand along the shore. From Engedi to Eneglaim, there will be places for spreading nets. The fish will be of many kinds, like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. But the swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit, because the water from the sanctuary flows to them, and their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. So we have this image here, and it's a glorious image of this life-giving 
river flowing out from the temple. This is an image which is used throughout the Bible. This is a very commonly used image. So right from the very beginning of the Bible, right back at the start of Genesis, we have a river flowing from Eden. And Eden is often seen as a type of temple, the dwelling place of God, where God's presence is. And this river flows from Eden out into the world, splits into these four headwaters. The river of God flowing out into the world to bring life. And then right at the end of the, book, the Bible, Revelation 22, we have this river of God flowing from the throne of God. And it's described as being as clear as crystal. So this is a very commonly used image. And this symbolic river represents the, the life and the power and the love and the presence of God. And here in, in, the, in Ezekiel, it flows from the temple in the hills up in the mountains. And it flows across the land, through the land, and then into the Dead Sea where nothing grows but it turns the salty water fresh. And I just want us to picture our church in that way. Just imagine that crystal clear river of God flowing from here. And flowing from here into the deadest and darkest and most hopeless situations in our town, in the lives of people in our town and beyond this town. It's a glorious image. Actually, it's very similar to the illustration I used a couple of weeks ago about the Amazon River, if you were here for that. But just imagine, just picture that image, this river of life flowing through the streets of this town, through the streets of High Wycombe, bringing life where there's death, bringing transformation where there's a lot of brokenness and darkness. The one thing to point out here first, one thing I want us just to notice first, is that this river does have an origin it, it, it originates in the temple. It originates in the dwelling place of God, the place of God's presence. And just to take that into our context, I just want to say that what we do each week, the gathering of God's people each week, is so important. It is so important. If it ever feels to you like just going through the motions or um, you know, we're just doing the same thing each week, no, 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 no. It is so important, and it's so important that you are here, each one of you, that you are here. Because our Sunday mornings are actually intensely missional. Because when God's people gather in the presence of God, as we do each week, it's powerful. Because in the presence of God, lives are changed. And people do come in to our meetings from outside the church and they encounter God. Just by being here, being in the midst of his people, being in his presence, they encounter God and they find that actually he is real. And that he does love them. And that he's interested in their lives. That he is the answer. People come in, they encounter God and they get saved. So it's so important that you're here. And that we're inviting people to come in and see what God is like. To come in and encounter the power of God. And there are lots of opportunities to do that. So in a couple of weeks time we have baptisms. Baptism is a great thing to invite people to. Hearing people's stories, seeing the power of God at work. After baptisms, we'll be starting a series called Transformed, which is looking at how encountering the risen Jesus transforms lives in so many different ways. And we'll be making space in those meetings for us to encounter Jesus. All of us, because we all need to encounter him on a regular basis, but also for those who need to encounter him for the first time. So let's invite people into that setting. And of course, we have carols at King's in December. And we know what a powerful event that has been for us. Let's invite people to come and see. You know, it's one of the reasons for setting up different sites in different communities. is to be this gospel beacon in that community and be a gathering point where people can come together and see who this God is. Let's invite people to come see. It's why I'm here. Because somebody had the courage when I was 17 to invite me in to a meeting a bit like this. 
So let's invite people to come and see. But, of course, we must also go and share. And it is both and. It's not one at the expense of another. It's not let's be a come and see kind of church at the expense of go and share. And it's not go and share at the expense of come and see. It's both and. But we must go and share. Because the reality is that the majority of people in this town won't come to us unless we very intentionally go to them. So I was reading a post on Facebook uh, recently. It was the comments on an article that somebody had posted. Um, I can't remember what it was about particularly. It was about God or about the church or something like that. But one of the comments was something like this. You know, if you, if you want to believe in your imaginary sky fairy, you know, the kind of, the kind of derogatory comment, the sort of open hostility, um, somebody who will happily ridicule you for believing in God. And the thought that crosses my mind is, how do, we, how do we reach that person? Because there are lots like that. I mean, Paul says in Philippians 3, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. How do we reach that person? Well, I'm convinced only through him, and it was a him, seeing the reality of Jesus through a Christian or Christians in his life who he encounters out there and not in here. The presence of God, the presence of Jesus out there. Because this river of God was never meant to stay in the temple. It was never meant to stay in the house of God. It originates here, but it's also meant to flow out from here. And to be a source of great blessing to all around us. So the other reason that our Sunday mornings are so missional is because as God's people, we gather here each week. Why? To be equipped, to be filled up, to be empowered, to take the gospel out from here. Again, to take the presence and the love of God out from here, out into the world. And if you're born again, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you love Jesus, then the Holy Spirit dwells in you. It's what the Bible tells us very clearly, and it would be our experience as well. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. You carry the presence of God with you, which means actually you are a temple yourself. You're like a mini temple. With the rivers flowing out, Jesus said, come to me if you're thirsty and drink, and streams of living water will flow from within you. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. You are, each of us is a mini temple carrying the presence of God out into the world. And I think it's just so important that we really get that, that we grasp it, that we don't forget who we are in him, and that we go in the power of the Holy Spirit, because mission is God's idea, it's not ours If it was down to us, we'd probably very happily have a little club and stay nice and safe and cosy. No, mission is God's idea, so he goes with you. As you go out on mission, you're a carrier of his presence. So how do we do that? How do we go out from here? And here I just want to focus in, really for the rest of the time, on our personal responsibility for that. For reaching out, our personal responsibility, because we have loads of things going on as a church, corporately, lots of ministries that we're engaged in as a church that reach out very intentionally indeed, um, ministries that we can all be part of, that we can all sign up and say, I want to be a part of that. So things like, and, and apologies in advance if I don't mention all of them, but things like our CAP Debt Relief Centre and being part of the One Can Food Bank and uh, King's Table that we've been hearing lots about recently, Little Stars, Learning English Classes, Night Shelter, Azalea, a number of small groups that have a, a very outward focus, like parenting classes, Embrace, and loads, loads more. You know, these are ministries that are reaching out to uh, Muslims, to single parents, to, to people who are lonely, to people who are in crisis, people in poverty, in debt, the homeless, those with addictions, sex workers, You know, this is reaching out to some of the most marginalised, the most vulnerable in our town. 
And of course, beyond that, God's also blessed us with incredible reach overseas. You know, supporting Bible translation in South Sudan and mission work in the Middle East and our partnership with King's Church in Kathmandu and the children's homes linked with that out in Nepal. That's amazing. Corporately, there's loads going on and there's loads to celebrate and we should celebrate. We should take every opportunity to celebrate what God is doing. And I would encourage you to be involved in those ministries if you can. But I want to focus in on our personal responsibility for how we as individuals, go out from this place and carry the presence of God with us. And this is where we come back to bless. Bless. And for many people here, this is a reminder, but a very helpful reminder, a very important reminder to pick this up again if you've put it down. And thank you to those of you who are still going strong with bless and you're keeping on doing it. Thank you for that. But for some of us, we'll need to just pick this up again and go again. But for others here, this may be the first time you've ever heard about bless, so I'm going to explain it for you. Just before I do that, I just want to point you in the direction of some helpful resources. So we did a whole series on this back in the autumn term last year, and all the videos on the website, and I'd really encourage you to go and watch those videos, because you just get the heart of what this is about uh, in a better way than I can explain in, in just a few minutes. And actually, I'd encourage all of us to do that. Go back and watch it again. This, this was a key series for us. This wasn't a series to do and then move on to the next thing. No, bless has become a key part of who we are and of how we reach out. And I want it to continue to be that. You can also pick up one of these bless pocket guides uh, down here or at the back, which very succinctly explains what bless is all about. But let me briefly explain it to you now. Bless stands for five very simple missional practices that anyone can engage in, anyone. So B is begin with prayer. Begin with prayer. So the idea here is you write a list of people who are currently in your life who don't know Jesus, who are not walking with the Lord. So that might be friends, family, colleagues, neighbours, and pray as part of that. Ask God, who would you have me put on my list? Who do you want me to to focus on, on reaching out to? And then pray for those people every day. Pray for them every day. That's not too hard an ask. Pray for those people every day. That's what all these things on the wall over here are. That's people's blessed lists from when we did the series last year. And, and what I'd say is that if you have a list over there on the wall, but you're not praying for those people, it's just a name on the wall. It, it's meaningless. Commit to praying for those people if you've got a list on the wall. And if you don't have a list over there on the wall, well, you can write one at any time. We have those little cards down here, um, pegs. You can go and peg one up at any time. There might be an opportunity today, but you can do that at any time and keep a copy for yourself as well. But this is a great reminder for us to pray, to continue to pray for those people who are in our lives and on our blessed lists. Pray for their blessing. Pray for their salvation. Pray for opportunities to be a blessing to them yourself. And also pray every day, asking God for divine opportunities, you know, to put someone across your path unexpectedly, who you can then add to your blessed list. But one of those divine appointments. So B is begin with prayer. L is listen. The point here is that we should focus more on listening to people before talking to them. And actually, this is the one that I forget the quickest. Um, because I'm so keen just to tell people the right answer. And um, the problem is with that is sometimes I might be trying to answer a question they're not actually asking yet. So we have to listen and listen out for their struggles, listen out for what they love, listen out for what they've got going on in their lives, for what God might already be doing in their lives. Listen to them and also listen to God for them. 
We believe that God speaks. Today, we believe that God speaks through his people. So listen. What might God want to say to them through you? So listen. E is eat together. Because similarly with the hospitality challenge, when, when you sit down together with people and eat a meal, or you sit down together over a coffee, you build relationship in a much deeper way. It's just fact. It's just reality. You build relationship, and it gives you opportunities to listen. So be intentional about eating together or having coffee together, just spending that time together, sitting down together with those on your list. The first S is for serve. So if you're praying for people regularly and you're listening to them and you're eating together, they'll tell you how to love them. And opportunities will arise to serve them in meaningful ways. So be intentional about taking those opportunities and being like Jesus to them, loving them like Jesus does. And then the second S is story. Share your story. Because if you're doing those first four things, the opportunity will arise to share your story of your own life and of how Jesus has changed your life. The question is, are you ready for that? Are you ready to share your story? And you might not think you have much of a story, but I tell you, if you're in Christ, you do. Don't ever tell yourself that. It doesn't have to be the most complicated story. It doesn't have to be spectacular. Your story is the most powerful evangelistic tool that you have because nobody can deny your story. It just has to be yours and it has to be real. So share your story. The key is to commit to doing at least one of these blessed practices every day. So make sure you're praying every day for those people on your list. Make sure you're being intentional about the other things as well and um, seeking opportunities for that. And just see what God does. Just see what he does. Because, you know, this has been a game changer for me and for many people in the church in terms of how I think about reaching out, how I think about evangelism. I mean, lots of people hear the word evangelism and just instinctively recoil. and It's kind of like, well, I'm not very good at that. Uh, no, that's for other people. Other people can do that. And yet at the same time, you're very well aware that Jesus calls you to be a witness to him. He calls every one of us to make disciples of all nations. But when you look at bless, you think, well, I can do that. And you're right. We all can. We can all pray. All of us can pray. We can all listen to people. We can all eat together, spend time together. We can all serve other people and we can all share our story. And that is evangelism. So let's go for it. This has opened doors for me with people in my life that haven't opened before in terms of conversations, the depth of conversation, inviting people to various things. Uh, One person who's been on my list from the beginning who I won't embarrass, um, but is regularly attending on Sunday mornings. And I'm not trying to claim any credit for that either, by the way, because actually, ultimately, only God can draw people in that way. I'm just trying to say that this works. It's effective. And just think of the potential as well. The potential of this. You you know, the kingdom of God advances one life at a time. One life at a time. But one life at a time can very easily turn into multiplication if we all grab hold of this and go for this. I mean, just think, if, if one person on your blessed list came to faith sometime over the next couple of years, we've doubled in size straight away. If everyone in this church has somewhere between five and ten people on your blessed list, and some will have more than that, well, across this church, that represents somewhere in the region of 5,000 people who are being intentionally prayed for, intentionally being blessed. But then just think that each one of those 5,000 people represents another five to ten people. So by reaching one person on your list, 
you're potentially reaching tens or if not hundreds of others. If we're serious about making disciples who make disciples, that's exponential reach. I think that's exciting. I think that's something to pray into. I think that's something to call, call the power of God into and, and say, Lord, bless this thing that we're doing called bless. Because that is potentially exponential reach, reaching people with the life-giving good news of Jesus. As a staff team, we're still asking the question each week, who have you blessed this week? Who have you blessed this week? Because it keeps us accountable. It keeps it at the forefront of our mind. It keeps us intentional. It means you're involving others in the journey. It's a chance to share what's been going on and to celebrate that. And every week, there is at least one usually more, but at least one story from somebody on the staff team. And sometimes that might be one of those really exciting stories, like I had a conversation with somebody about Jesus. I've never had that kind of conversation with this person before. Or I got the opportunity to pray with this person, or I invited this person to church, and they came, those really great things. Or it might be what seems like a very small thing, like I contacted this person on my list and we've arranged to go for coffee. That's a great story. That's a brilliant blessed story because you're being intentional. And it starts with the small things. I think it says somewhere in Zechariah, don't despise the day of small things. It starts with small things. The river in Ezekiel 47 starts as a small trickle. You know, and as you go along, it's just ankle deep as you walk further along. That's where we need to start. Before going knee deep, waist deep and into the current. Because this is not an overnight thing. You know, this is journeying with people often for years and years. You've got to stick at it. You've got to love people. You've got to be in it for the long haul. And that's why the support and encouragement of others is so important here. Because if you're anything like me, you have a tendency to drift and to forget and to get complacent. But knowing that question is going to be asked each week, it keeps you on your toes and it keeps you intentional. So if you're, if you're not asking that question, who have you blessed this week in your small group, Make sure you do. Small group leaders, make sure you're asking that question. If you're in a small group where that's not being asked, go and talk to your small group leader and say, hey, we need to be asking this question each week. This is really, really important that we do. And like I said, I've been surprised by some of the opportunities that I've had and the doors that have opened into people's lives since committing to these blessed practices, since committing to pray for these people and for others who have been added to my list in the meantime. I probably shouldn't be surprised. Because prayer is powerful, and the gospel is powerful. The gospel is enough. And actually, I believe that people are looking for God. Whether they're conscious of that or not, I believe people are looking for God. They're looking for something. Here's a quote from a philosopher, not not a Christian philosopher, a philosopher called David Foster Wallace. And he says, in the day-to-day trenches of adult life, there is actually no such thing as atheism. There's no such thing as not worshipping. Everybody worships. The only choice we get is what to worship. And the compelling reason for maybe choosing some sort of God or spiritual type thing to worship, be it JC or Allah, be it Yahweh or the Wiccan Mother Goddess or the Four Noble Truths or some inviolable set of ethical principles, is that pretty much anything else you worship will eat you alive. If you worship money and things, if they're where you tap real meaning in life, you'll never have enough. Never feel you have enough. It's the truth. Worship your body and beauty and sexual allure and you'll always feel ugly. And when time and age start showing, you'll die a million deaths before they finally grieve you. Worship power, you'll feel weak and afraid and you'll need ever more power over others to keep the fear at bay. 
Worship your intellect, being seen as smart, you'll end up feeling stupid, a fraud, always on the verge of being found out, and so on. Everybody worships. Everybody worships. So why is that? What, what, what's behind the desire to worship? Well, I think it's something good that God has put in the heart of every human being. We're made in his image. But most people are getting eaten alive by what they worship because their worship is misdirected towards things that were never meant to be worshipped, that can't take the weight of your worship. But we have good news. It's the, it is good news. It's the best news. We have the answer. We have a saviour. We have the only one who actually is worthy of worship. The only one who can take the weight of your worship. We're designed for that. It's where we find fulfilment in life. But we have a saviour who will not eat you alive. He effectively got eaten alive for you. He got nailed to a cross and died the most horrific death to free you from that kind of life. That life of seeking fulfilment in all these things that cannot possibly ever fulfil you. We have the good news. We have the answer. And we have the responsibility for telling others and for showing it to others. That's why what Rich was talking about last week was so important. Are you growing? Are you growing in God? Are you full of the life of God? Are you overflowing with that, with streams of living water flowing from within you? Here's here's a little test for you, a little heart test for us. How is your heart responding to what I'm saying about bless and about reaching out? Is there a sense of being fired up for this? Yep, yeah, going to commit to this, going to go for this, going to pray. Is there a sense of that? Or does it just feel like another thing to do that you don't really have time for? And what I would suggest that if it's the latter, that's a heart issue. It's not a time issue. It's not a busyness issue. It's a heart issue. That's a heart that's shrinking and not growing. Because the bottom line is this. This is the mission Jesus has given you. Nothing is more important than this. Nothing comes close to being as important as this. And it's not something to do out of a sense of duty. It's from a heart, from a soft heart that is overflowing and abounding with love for people that you've received from God. That you've received the extent of his grace and his love for yourself. And you're so filled up with that that it can't help but flow out of you in love towards other people. It has to be motivated by love. Because what we're ultimately talking about here is people's eternal destiny. Eternity with God or eternity in hell, separated from God. Knowing I can't save anybody, we can't save anybody, only God can do that. But I am called to be a witness, motivated by love, to point people towards Jesus. That's what he calls me to do. It's what he calls you to do. This has to be a priority has to be the priority. Have you ever wondered what would have happened if the prodigal son from Jesus' parable in Luke 15, the prodigal son had met the older brother first before the father? This barrier to the welcome and the love and the acceptance of the father, he probably would have never got through to the father through that barrier. And I wonder in our day, How many of the lost have tried to come home and have encountered a barrier, a Christian who is a bit like an older brother, a judgmental, joyless, legalist, driven by duty, not driven by love. Christians should be and must be encountered as the most uh, generous, 
the most honouring, the most authentic, loving, joy-filled, hope-filled people in the world, in all circumstances of life. I'm not talking about living on a cloud all the time, but encountered like that in every circumstance of life. If you have a story of being changed by Jesus, does your life still look like that? Are you still being changed by Jesus, or are you talking about a historical event? Does the way you live your life make the gospel look true or untrue? And how is your heart? Is it soft or is it hard? Is it growing or is it shrinking? Is it full to overflowing with the love and the grace of God or has it been filled up with all sorts of other things, other objects of worship in your life? So here's something that Smith Wigglesworth once said, cracking name. Uh, He was a British evangelist back in the first half of the 20th century, the last century. He said this, the reason the world is not seeing Jesus is that Christian people are not filled with Jesus. They are satisfied with attending meetings weekly, reading the Bible occasionally, and praying sometimes. It's an awful thing for me to see people who profess to be Christians, lifeless, powerless, and in a place where their lives are so parallel to unbelievers' lives that it's difficult to tell which place they're in, whether in the flesh or in the spirit. So let us examine our hearts, all of us. Let us examine our hearts and cry out to God to fill us. The world depends on it. So this river gets deeper and deeper. The river in Ezekiel, deeper and deeper. And I really, really want us as a church, and as individuals in this church, I want us to be going knee deep, and waist deep, and eventually getting carried along in the, in the current of God's love, and his power, and his passion, and his life, and his, his purposes, to be the kind of church that Simon Holly was describing in that first midweek meeting for those who are here, where we take the love of God out into the streets, out into Wickham, seeing the supernatural power of God, seeing healing breaking out, but we have to get our hearts right. And bless is a great baseline. Bless is a great starting point to get us all in the river in the first place. So we don't have some people paddling around and a whole bunch of people standing on the bank spectating. It's to get us all in the river in the first place and get all of our eyes focused outwards on the people who are lost and walking in darkness. And this river brings life wherever it goes. So just to remind you, verse 9 says swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. Large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. And verse 12, fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. The call on us as God's people is to bring the life of God into every sphere. Wherever God has put you and with the people God has put in your life. To make a difference where you are. As an ambassador for Jesus, as a, as a, a representative of Jesus, a carrier of his presence and of his power. A carrier of his authority. Don't forget the authority that you carry in Christ. And a carrier of his love and his life. God has placed us in this town and he's told us he has many people in this place. And so King's Church, we can't afford to be in neutral on this. We just can't afford for that to happen, just waiting for people to come through our doors. We must go to them. We must be intentional about that with an evangelistic urgency in our heart because if we love God, then we love this town. 
And we love the people of this town. We love the community around here. And we love the people that God has put in our lives. So I just want you to imagine again that crystal clear, life-giving river of God flowing from here. Flowing out of here, through us, into the deadest, darkest, most desperate, hopeless situations. Flowing through the streets of this town, flowing through the streets of High Wycombe, bringing life, bringing transformation, bringing salvation, changing the atmosphere of this town altogether. Just imagine what that would look like. Just imagine what that could be. Well, it might look a little bit like a diverse church of thousands surrounding and saturating High Wycombe with the love of Jesus. Let's love this town. Let's love this town. Let's saturate this town with this river of God, with the love of God. And let's make it really, really hard for people to go to hell. Let's saturate the town. We have good news. We have the good news. And so let us be a people who are so bold and so courageous in telling people about it. Amen? Amen.